Hello and a very warm welcome to 20 Minutes With, a podcast brought to you by Proximo. My name is Thomas Hopkins and I am the deputy editor of Proximo. Twice a month, we interview industry experts about key topics across the project finance, energy and infrastructure space. This week, Proximo brings you 20 minutes or thereabouts with Hamish McKenzie, a managing partner and head of infrastructure at DWS. Hamish has been based at DWS for over 17 years and has previously held positions at Deutsche Bank, HSBC and Deloitte. On today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Hamish about the emergence of e-buses as a growing sector from the perspective of both equity investment and project finance debt. Hamish, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Thomas. Good to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you on, and I'm sure it'll be a really interesting discussion. Um, perhaps if I if I kick things off, just sort of aimed at um, you know DWS, perhaps considering the kind of e-bus space. I mean, what might make e-buses um, attractive as an asset class from a private equity perspective? Um, so I'm taking a step back. The whole decarbonisation agenda is, is is one of the, the key macro themes that, that, that drive investment strategy across our infrastructure private equity funds. And, and within that, decarbonisation of, of transport uh, is, a, is, a, is a key aspect and, and in, in in our funds we've made a number of, of investments in, including Vertex which is a bioethanol producer for, for blending with, with gasoline um, to reduce the carbon impact of, of, of private cars, Hansaya uh, which is the leading bus concession operator in, in Belgium which is all underway, uh, already well underway in, in deploying e-buses um, and, and we see that reduction of, of, of carbon um, movement of, of passengers from private vehicles to mass passenger transportation and, and the decarbonisation of, of, of that um, transportation through through e-buses as a as a as a sort of key trend. We like businesses that are capital intensive that require further investment and, and obviously the, the move. Um, from um, you know, from internal combustion um, engine buses towards e-buses requires a significant um, amount of, of, of investment. Um, yeah, that that investment in in part in the UK being su- supported by grants from from government, but, but over time um, yeah, we we believe that e-buses will will, will reach um, cost parity with um, with internal combustion engine. Um, buses. Um, they're also popular with drivers and, and, and passengers uh, alike, as, as, as well as obviously um, you know, for, for residents of, of, of cities where the, the, the reduction of, of, of fumes uh, and the health impact that that causes um, you know, is, a, is, a, is a key driver. Um, and, and finally, um, a strong view that to the extent that the businesses we invest in um, can be seen as, as relevant to the decarbonisation agenda and, and the move towards net zero will we'll make them more attractive um, to, to future buyers of those assets. Yeah, thank you, Hamish. I, just to pick up on something you, you said there in terms of cost parity, um, so are e-buses expected to reach cost parity with internal combustion engine buses quite shortly then? 
Um, well, it depends on what your definition of shortly is, and, and it depends on on your definition of cost parity, um, and and that um, is about whole of lifetime costs, um, which includes um, maintenance um, and battery replacement over the life of, 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 of the bus. One of one of the challenges um, with with e-buses is um, you know, there is, is, is relatively limited history around that lifetime cost um, and um, you know, certainly there's an expectation that it will be lower, maintenance costs will be lower, um, there's, you know, there's, there's very little maintenance um, you know, in, in terms of the, the, the powertrain maintenance required of, a, of an e-bus compared to a, you know, a diesel internal combustion engine. Um, bus, um, but less is known. Uh, you know, we've been operating um, internal combustion and engine buses for, for like over 70 years and, and built up a long, long history and understanding about maintenance costs and, and, and lifetime, lifetime reliability, which, which doesn't exist in, in, in buses. Certainly, the initial upfront cost of e-buses is, is a lot higher, is going down. Um, but that needs to be balanced against the lower um, lifetime cost, um, but with, with, as I said, greater uncertainty around, around how, um, how long batteries will last, how much maintenance is, is required um, for, the, for the, the duration of ownership. Yeah, I suppose probably a, a complex consideration when you talk about cost parity is when you have to try and compare sort of price of diesel versus price of electricity, because I imagine there's quite a lot of variables that you might have to consider if you're talking about long-term cost parity for the maintenance. Well, particularly in the current environment where you know, what, what is the cost of electricity, what's the cost of, uh, of diesel in, in the US time? Um, yes, exactly. Uh, extremely volatile. Um, Perhaps Hamish, if I move to a, a different point, I'm, I, I, do, I was obviously aware that uh, DWS had acquired Stagecoach, and I wondered just again from the perspective of you know an investor going in um, to this uh, you know in, in, into you know a space that has had some e-buses because I know Stagecoach has done some e-bus projects. Um, what motivated DWS's acquisition of Stagecoach? So there's a few things. And you know, firstly, we we like the essential nature of the service that Stagecoach provides for, for public mobility. Um, yeah, and that's demonstrated by a, a long, stable track record. You know, to, to some extent, buses are counter-cyclical um, assets that you know in, in times of economic contraction, times of hardship, you know, people will take a bus rather than take a taxi or, or, or private car, but then you know, as, as the economy grows, so ridership um, generally um, increases. Um, during the pandemic, the business performed well and, and was supported by government, you know, recognizing that support, recognizing the critical nature of, of the services that uh, Stagecoach provides. Um, so it's, it's that, that critical essential service point um, with the resilience is, is the first point. The second point is 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 um, is is the e-buses. The point that I mentioned earlier. This is a business that um, you know, will um, transition to a zero carbon fleet, and, and that transition will will require significant um, investment. Um, it, uh, it and 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 that is a process, not just the the um, 
carbon reduction of the fleet, but also the movement of passengers from private cars to buses, which is an essential part of, of the government's decarbonisation strategy. Um, yeah, not everyone can, can ride a bicycle. Um, yeah, there are journeys that, that require um, movement to, to buses and, and the next phase of that decarbonisation story policy will, will, will require um, and is, is, is demonstrated by support um, of, um, of buses by government. Part of that is the national bus strategy where we're seeing a partial re-regulation um, of the sector. Um, that provides an opportunity to increase patronage, increase frequency and, and quality um, of services, as well as rebalance the risk sharing between um, the local authorities and, and, and the regional buses um, in, a, in a sort of hybrid version of the model that um, yeah, that we we have in um, London. Finally, it's yeah, Stagecoach is a great business. Um, it's the largest pure play bus operator um, in the UK. It has a, a very strong management team who we, we committed um, to uh, retain and, and, and are you know, already working very closely with. Um, and, and we think that together we can transition uh, the business to a, a sort of core UK transport operator with a with a low emission fleet that will enjoy you know integrated relationships with the communities and, and the governments that the business serves yes of course um and i just sort of so just to pick up on something you you, you said in your previous response um does stagecoach intend gradually to sort of transition most of its fleet to uh, either sort of hybrid electric or fully electric buses yeah absolutely so we have a um we have a stated goal to have a zero emission UK bus fleet by 2035 um, and yeah, possibly earlier, um, yeah, depending on the, the sort of pace of, of, of development of, of the, the bus offering. Um, and the, the plan is for the company to be completely carbon neutral um, by 2050. Um, in order to achieve that, we will yeah, we'll, we'll grow our e-bus fleet significantly. We, we currently only have a few Hundred vehicles, um, but the idea is that, is that yeah, we, we transition um, over the over the next whatever it is thirteen years to to yeah, a fully um, fully uh, zero emission fleet that will require investment not only um, in the buses but also in the infrastructure to support it, the, the depots, um, fitting electric chargers adapting routes and, and bus stops, um, but also investment in our people to reskill them, particularly the maintenance teams as we move from, I think, what's called a sort of below ground maintenance program to an above ground maintenance program. There's, you know, the, the, the buses, it's, it's more about um, the, the sort of superstructure rather than the, the, the sort of substructure that um, an, an engine that is, is maintained for a, for internal combustion um, bus. Yes, yeah, of course. And just in terms of the, the, the move to, you know, having a, a fleet that is sort of dominated by e-buses, in terms of the kind of concessions that um, Stagecoach might have for operating particular bus routes, I mean, those that are currently operated by diesel buses, would the intention be to sort of let those concessions kind of, you know, play out through their lifetime and then sort of in new concessions 
um, kind of move to e-buses or would the idea be to transition fleets, operating diesel fleets that are, you know, currently, uh, you know, have several years left on a particular concession to e-buses kind of midway through? So, yeah, so concession is an interesting word. So currently there are two models for bus operation in the UK. You've got the, the London model, which is a concession model, um, and the, the regional model which is a is a is a commercial fully commercial operation so stagecoach owns the buses the, the depot sets the route sets the, the frequency themselves whereas in in london tfl is responsible for for the fare box um, defines the routes defines the service offering but stagecoach still owns the buses and, and, and depots there as as tfl is, is tendering um new services so they will also um, define the, the service offering and, and that will, will define um, you know, what fleet they want um, and, and to some extent will, will then determine the, the subsidy that is, is required or concession fee that's required from the operator to do that and certainly we're seeing a move from um, IC buses to electric buses defined in, in those concessions. In um, in currently in in the regions, it's a commercial decision, um, and and that commercial decision is supported by the availability of, of um, local and central um, government grants um, to replace um, diesel fleet with with electric fleet. Under the national bus strategy, there is a a, a move to um, a hybrid model. So a number of passenger authorities, transport authorities, are, are looking at a move to franchising or, or partial franchising called enhanced partnerships. Uh, again, um, those arrangements um, will, will change the risk sharing, but will also um, increasingly encompass a, a requirement to move towards. Um, zero carbon fleet. Thank you, Hamish. And I think it's it's useful to understand that the sort of difference between how regional buses and uh, and buses in London might operate in you know in terms of that that word um, concession. Um, just thinking about obviously the the amount of capital that's needed, and you, you mentioned this earlier to sort of spur on e-bus development. Um, obviously, some of that comes from equity and equity investment, but obviously there's going to be a lot of debt that's needed to be raised um, for e-bus development. And we've, we've seen, um, you know, players in the UK market, but, you know, players globally, you know, raising significant debt. But this is operated according to a number of different structures. You know, we've seen project finance debt. We've seen something like a revolving capital facility. Um, so just what, in your view, might prove to be the most effective structure for, for raising debt for e-bus development? So at the moment, um, most internal combustion engine buses are, are either owned outright by UK, by bus operators or owned through operating leases um, you know, often often where there's a, a sort of shorter term concession then the buses are, 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 are owned through operating leases um, to match the term of bus ownership with the, the, the concession term I think these these will continue what what the emergence of e-buses um, has um, encouraged is the emergence of, of, of different funding models, not just for the, the buses, but also um, you're splitting the ownership of, of the different components. So in the bus, the battery, the charging infrastructure, um, 
you know, all of which will, will play a role. Um, we've also seen you know, the move to e-buses as, as being attractive to debt providers um, where they're, they're seeing the sort of essential nature of, of the sector and the decarbonisation story as a very positive one and, and so are keen to, to lend um, around to fleet investment in, in e-buses. And I think yeah, for, for a company like Stagecoach, we would never, you know, which is, is, yeah, is, is, a, is a leading player in, in the UK with a significant um, market share and a significant fleet, we would never have a single funding model. I think you know, what, what we will do um, with the management team is, is to evaluate different situations, uh, ability to evaluate um, where, where different funding models um, may represent you know, a, a better alignment of, of that funding with the investment opportunity. But fundamentally, um, as I said earlier, our, our objective with the company and our attraction around um, the move to e-buses is to, to see Stagecoach as a, as a a vehicle, if you excuse the pun, uh, for further investment by um, the, the, the funds that we manage into to the business. Okay, thank you. And just obviously, um, just thinking about what you said earlier about e-buses being a, you know, a, a technology, a vehicle, as you as you put it, uh, um, that hasn't really been tested to a great extent over a sort of long-term kind of life cycle, uh, and just to sort of see how that kind of performs over, say, a 15-year period. Um, you know, what risks might equity investors have to consider before investing in B, in e-bus companies or, or just e-bus projects specifically, if it's not a sort of company-wide investment? Yeah, so the so the, the the upfront costs often, which is supported by um, grants, um, as 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 you know, central government and, and regional authorities look to um, decarbonise transport. Um, so that um, you know, what is the real um, upfront cost, and, and and as the technology advances, as, as we've seen with um, electric cars, the, the the sort of upfront cost comes down. The, the second is is the life life cycle cost, where um, as I said earlier, we you know, we had 70 years history of, of, of internal combustion um, engine, but only a, a very short period of time with with e-buses and. and over time, those assumptions um, that we can make are, are refined and, and become um, you know, more longer term and, and verified, particularly with regard to, to battery um, lifetimes um, and, and maintenance costs. The other issue to consider is it's not, you know, an e-bus can't operate on its own. It needs infrastructure um, associated with it, and, and there are you know, there are challenges to convert um, traditional um, infrastructure needed for internal combustion engine to e-buses, e um, and most fleets won't be a, a sort of one-shot move from ICE to e-bus. It will, will, will be um, over time. Um, there's a need to work with third parties to ensure you know, that there's, there's grid connections um, in place, um, you know, as, as, as well as other um, stakeholders to ensure um, that the, the buses are able to to operate. Um, you know, 
each each year those risks um, reduce and, and the model becomes more refined. Um, but it, um, you know, it it's still a, a relatively nascent technology. Yes, of course. And and just thinking about another nascent technology, um, there's been a lot of talk about well green hydrogen generally, but. Uh, more specifically, there's been a lot of talk about hydrogen buses, and I think you know London has toyed with you know having a couple of routes that are operated by hydrogen buses, um, but we haven't seen sort of same kind of growth with hydrogen buses that we've seen with with e-buses. Um, do you expect that hydrogen buses will will ever become a kind of serious competitor to e-buses? Um, yeah, I, I think I think they will will play a role. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously you know, one manufacturer in, in particular that is, is is pushing the hydrogen model. I do think that e-buses, you know, car, cars are electric. You know, I, I think and, and EV um, you know, cars will that will be will always be the dominant um, provider. And I think the same will 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 be true for near distance public transport um, buses i think in longer distance services um, or services in areas with with more limited infrastructure then hydrogen buses will have a, a bigger role to play um, so like coach services you know, could i think could more naturally fit to Buses than 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 up to hydrogen than say you know, the, the, the the London um, bus model, um, but the technology is 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 is, is probably a, you know, a few years behind um, EV, um, and so um, you know, we'll we'll continue to monitor it, and it's something that that Stagecoach um, you know, is involved in. in in a dialogue with um, the hydrogen um, bus co, um, and I'm sure as a nationwide player with both intercity routes as well as as, as near distance um, services, that over time we will we will have a, a balance of fleet between you know, some hydrogen in, in in the longer services and, and predominantly EV or uh, buses in the in the in the shorter distance services. Thanks, Hamish. And just a final point, perhaps. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of very clear and and obvious kind of ESG type benefits to using e-buses as opposed to your traditional internal combustion engine buses. But obviously, there are a couple of sort of ESG concerns related to e-buses themselves. I just sort of wondered, you know, given the amount of mining required to sort of manufacture batteries, how can ESG concerns surrounding the short lifespans of e-bus batteries be addressed? Well, good, good, um, but very difficult question. And yeah, you know, clearly it's a challenge that applies not just just to uh, e-buses, but to electric cars, which are you know, far more um, prevalent, um, where battery lifespans are, are, are fairly short. Um, it's an issue that we take very seriously because obviously in terms of how we, we report about um, carbon emissions, um, it's something that we report on over a whole of, of, of life cycle um, phase. There is clearly a lot of investment 
um, going into um, ways to solve this challenge, um, such as recycling of, of, of batteries and, and recovery of the, the lithium and, and cobalt used into it, as well as massive investment into alternative battery material technology. Um, yeah, and, and we will at Stacia will we'll continue to to you know, monitor it and actively consider options for um, the the fleet um, in order to minimise you know, not not just the emissions from the bus but the the whole life cycle um, emissions. But it's you know, I guess it's a, if it's a, if it's a challenge that. Um, Elon Musk hasn't yet solved, then it's it's maybe not a, a challenge that uh, DWS or Stagecoach uh, on their own will solve. Thanks very much, Hamish. I, I'm very sorry to say that that's actually all we have time for today, but thank you once again for taking the time to talk to me on the podcast. My pleasure. It's good to good good to chat. Yeah, it's been a really interesting discussion, I think, and it's been very informative for the listeners. Um, before we end, I would just like to take a moment to remind listeners about the Proximo Project and Infrastructure Report, which brings together our top-line market data from 2021, including breakdowns of market activity by region and sector, league tables for bank lenders in the largest sectors and regions, and Proximo's market survey. More details can be found at proximoinfra.com. Thanks to everyone for listening, and be sure to join us again in two weeks' time for more interviews with key market players within the project finance, energy, and infrastructure industry. Thank you.